Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Joining us for a look this week at Film and TV, Wenli Ma from News.com, where Wenli is the uh, film and TV reviewer. Wenli, good evening. Welcome back to Nightlife. Thank you. Hi. All right. We've got three things. Netia, uh, sorry, we've got uh, Ant-Man Quantumania from Disney+, Plus, uh, Magic Mike's in the cinemas, and Physical 100, a Netflix show which sounds interesting. This is a kind of a real-life reality show based, well, sort of a, a take-off of Squid Game. Anyway, let's get to that in a moment. But first, to Ant-Man. This is uh, film number 685 in the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe with superhero partners Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne returning to continue their adventures as Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes, it's actually the 31st movie of the Marvel Cin- Cinematic Universe. That's 31 movies since Robert Downey Jr. Oh. first pulled on that Iron Man suit in 2008. 15 years on, so, so many movies, even more TV shows at this point. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is an absolute juggernaut. It's a behemoth. It's not I, mean, they've made, I mean, they've, been, they've made money, these things, haven't they? Yes. They've made lots of money, uh, mm. billions and billions and billions of dollars between all the films. Yeah. Um, and I actually am a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not a holy, I'm not a superhero naysayer. I really enjoy these films. I find myself going back to watching them on streaming time and time and again. I will almost always watch one if I'm on a long haul flight because if you fall asleep halfway through, it's fine. I've seen it six times before. <laughs> What do you think the what what is the 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 attraction here? Do you think because you, you I mean Bond wouldn't make this many? I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm no. I'm trying to think of other franchises. I mean, most franchises, of course, run out of steam after four, don't they? Uh, yeah. And what, I mean, what, yeah. what is it about Marvel that, that you think has they've managed to to make so many of them? I mean, aren't they? Because they're essentially kind of the same, aren't they? There's a lot of similarities between them and it is sprawling. I guess the thing with Bond or with Mission Impossible or the Bourne movies Mm. is that it is centred on one character. So Matt Damon is only going to be able to get to do Bourne every three to four years. He's got other projects on. uh, But what you've got with the MCU is that you've got an entire ensemble and an ensemble and an ensemble of actors who come along every three to four years. But in the meantime, 20 other actors come along and do their bit. Uh, I mean, and also these, because there is something really involving and engaging about interconnected storytelling, about serial storytelling. There was this, uh, someone made the point, an, an American cultural writer made the point that at the end of Avengers Endgame, which was the end of the first kind of uh, tranche of Marvel movies, which they called the Infinity Saga, it was 22 movies. And 22 is traditionally the episode count in a season of broadcast television in America. So <laughs> it does sort of intersect with this era era of where we are, where it's all about serialized storytelling. It's about the journey and the arc over multiple chapters and not just one standalone piece. But it is getting unwieldy. It, there's a lot of it now. For example, this current era that we're in. So uh, we've just kicked off phase five, but phase four has just wrapped up and that had 17 TV shows and movies over two years that's probably why it seems like you just kept getting a new Marvel thing every two weeks because they did 17 of them in two years. In contrast, the previous phase ran over four years and they released 11 titles. So it's really ramping up, which is actually to say that the people at Marvel and at Disney have looked around and said, maybe this is too much. We're actually going to start to slow it down. Mm. 
that's probably going to be a relief for a lot of other people, maybe even including fans like, like myself where I've gone, I can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. And you, because, yeah, you, if you get so many of them as well, you don't appreciate each individual as much. Like, I personally found Quantum Mania, like, just, uh, it was too much. You know, Ant Man is usually one of the superheroes in this universe that's quite small scale. It wasn't always battling this, you know, universe tr- destroying, dominating villain. It was mostly antagonist. It was set in San Francisco on the street level. And here you've got a movie that's very different. They've gone into the quantum realm, which means 90% of the movie is CGI. They are battling this larger-than-life villain named Kang, who will be the big bad of the next dozen Marvel movies. So it all of a sudden blew up in a way that I don't think was tonally a match for the character that we've come to know and love. But ultimately, you know, I had fun with it because there's a lot of goodwill carried over from the first two movies, but in itself i'm like i'm not sure that this movie works and it kind of casts bigger questions around what is marvel trying to achieve now Mm. okay here's a little from it this is ant-man i'm the man who can give you the one thing you want what's that time it can rewrite existence and shatter timelines. You cannot trust him. I don't care who this guy is. I just lost so much. He can give us a second chance. Yeah, what do you reckon stars for uh, Ant-Man Quantumania? Three out of five. It gets a pass just because I like Paul Rudd so much. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, they needed to scale this back way more. But you know, it kind of doesn't. Yeah, it, it, but it's now trying needing to fit within this wider piece of the puzzle instead mm. of just being like a cool little Ant Man movie. Okay, all right. Now uh, on Netflix, uh, ne- uh, this show called Physical One Hundred. It's a reality show. It's out. From, it's from South Korea. It's uh, it's in Netflix's top ten since it started at the end of January, and it's kind of like a real-life version of uh, Squid Game, is it? Yeah, but they don't... They, they don't kill each other. They don't kill each make, other. No, there's no <laughs> killing. No one dies. Nobody dies. I'm going to say that from the get-go. No one mm. dies in this. It's very family-friendly. Um, and they are trying to kind of draw on that Squid Game comparison without directly doing that because there are a couple of contestants in the first 20 minutes will look looks around them and go, oh, my God, it's I feel like I'm in Squid Game. But there is also separately being developed and filmed right now a Squid Game reality show. Oh, no. <laughs> which we'll get, I think, maybe later this year. Okay. Um, it, that's called Squid Game The Challenge, which, uh, and we can talk about it when it comes out, but when they announced that, I was like, oh, did you not get the point of the social commentary of Squid Game? Yes, exactly. The whole... <laughs> it was disto- <laughs> was totally dystopian for heaven's sake exactly <laughs> but this is not squid game or even an official version of squid game it's physical 100 and it is kind of like a cross between squid game s games but it's probably more like you know ninja warrior um ultimate beast master gladiator one of those shows those reality one shows where they have shows. to where the contestants have to perform tasks yeah but it's really interesting because i've that, it's not really my genre as such, but I heard so many people talking about it. I went, all right, fine, I'm going to go check it out and see what the fuss is. And I do think it mostly follows the conventions of the genre. You've got challenges. Sometimes you they 
do them as individuals, sometimes they do them as groups, but I hadn't quite seen a version of this game before where there is so much weird, well, weird to me, <laughs> uh, reverence for each other's bodies in a completely non-sexual way. Like, you just get these shots of absolute rippling muscles and stuff, and then somebody else looking on with absolute admiration and going, wow, that person's posterior deltoids are amazing. I had to Google what that was. It's a muscle group of some kind. <laughs> but they're like really, really mm. obsessed with the physicality of this muscled human body. I mean, the contestants are drawn from Olympians, former and present Olympians. Uh, they are Some of them are fitness influencers. There are lots of MMA fighters, lots of reservists from like uh, South Korean special forces. So it is very much about the physicality of it. What are, what are, what are the tasks? Are the, ta- are the tasks interesting or not? Yeah, the tasks are interesting, but I mean, I do think it is, you know, very similar to a lot of those other things that they have to carry sand over a bridge, which they have to build themselves. And, uh, you know, whoever, whichever team uh, gets the most sand across in nine minutes, you know, does wins and the other team is eliminated. So that in itself is not that shocking, but it's all the other bits, the, the kind of in between moments, which I found really fascinating. I did have a few people tell me they actually fast forwarded through some of the repetitions um, because it does repeat a lot. You you know, you'll see people do the same challenge over and over again. It has some we- weird editing moments where they'll show you in sequence three versions of the exact same moment, which I think is kind of a genre convention. But at the same time, if you're not used to watching it, you're just going to sit there and go, why are they showing me this again? However, every episode ends on a cliffhanger, and so it just automatically rolls into the next episode because you want to know who got eliminated. And I will say, I found myself watching four and a half hours of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, I see. All right. Yeah, but I I got off midway through an episode, not at the end. So if you need to stop, if you know Mm. you're about to run out of time, stop midway through an episode because by the time you get to the end of an episode – you're going to go into the next one <laughs> without fail. And the, and the prize is money, a 300 million won, which is... Yeah, know. which is about 330,000 Australian dollars. Okay. So not 456 million like <laughs> in Squid Game. <laughs> I was going to say, nothing like, nothing like Squid Game. And they, they don't have the big uh, Perspex ball of money hanging in the air, do they? Like, no, you don't get to see the money. Uh, okay. This, this is, is a, about bragging rights more is, than anything this else. This is a bit from it. Physical 100. We have invited you all here. To seek the one with prime physicality. From now on, you must compete for survival using only your physical strength. Also, the whole survival process that will take place in here will be broadcast globally. May you survive until the very end. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got a bit there. It's a bit squid gamey over. <laughs> uh, stars for this one, Physical 100? Three out of five. It's pretty solid entertainment. I think okay. if you do like the genre, you might enjoy it more than I did. Here we go. All right, now, uh, Magic Mike. This is in cinemas, and this is the latest, latest instalment of the Magic Mike uh, comedy drama. Yeah, the latest and the final, they've come out and said this will be the last Magic Mike, so it'll be, you know, rounded off in a trilogy. Uh, The last Magic Mike, the previous Magic Mike movie had come out almost eight years ago, I think, and uh, so you've got Channing Tatum back, who is Mike, 
he of the magical kind. Mm. Uh, and Steven Soderbergh is directing again. So Steven Soderbergh is uh, the American filmmaker who did the first one, but he didn't direct the second one. I think he was the cinematographer on the second one, but he handed over the directing reins to someone else. And uh, it's a really kind of strange movie. It's not what you think a Magic Mike movie is going to be because the idea of Magic Mike is that you've got this cast of characters led by one person, but, you know, they're male strippers. It's fun. It's raucous. It's kind of unapologetic. Um, but this is very strange. It's set a few years after the previous one. Mike, and it's only Mike returning. Everyone else in the cast hasn't come back really except for a cameo. Um, he's, you know, his business went bankrupt and he finds himself bartending again. He meets a very rich woman who's uh, catering her event. And she they have a, a night together. She pays him for a dance. Um, and na magically, na naturally, they somehow fall in love, I guess, or she really falls for him and invites him to accompany her to London where she wants to turn a musty old theatre that she inherited in a divorce into a, you know, a re review place for a Magic Mike-esque show, for a big stripper show. It's meant to be, I think, a bit of a love story. I don't think that aspect of it works really well between Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek. I don't think their chemistry ever really gels as it should. And there are all these moments that are much quieter, that are more Soderbergh-esque. Steven Soderbergh also makes a lot of more lo-fi movies. Sometimes he shoots them on iPhones and it's just people talking in a two-hander shot. Uh, there was one that she, he did with... Meryl Streep and Diane Weiss um, last year or the year before, which was actually very good. It's called Let Them Talk. Um, and so they've got a lot of these scenes where you're like, it feels like I've walked into a different kind of Steven Soderbergh movie, but they're not actually saying anything that means anything. And then the last half hour of the movie is uh, just centered around the stage show that they put on, which is drawing very closely from the real life magic live magic mike live shows that's in vegas and then also was in sydney and melbourne and brisbane for a bit mm. yes all right what are we what are we giving it for well let's play a little bit from it first do you like bartending it's not really what i do what is it that you really do but then you came along and gave me these unexpected magical moment that made me remember who I really was. Come with me to London. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you want Magic Mike just to be a bit more fun, a little less ruminative, yeah. and I don't think it does both very well. Stars? Two and a half. Two and a half, okay. Alrighty, there we go. Uh, Wen Lee, always good. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.